Welcome back to part two of our conversation with designated drinker, founder and managing director of Mocha Ventures, Elaine Chong Baker. So if you missed part one, go back and belly up, back up to that bar and give it a listen. We promise to save a seat right here for you, don't we? Right, Gina? Yes, and you can go and check out our tips and tricks on Instagram and um, check out part one and uh, yeah. There, there you yeah, go. you're getting a little uh, passion. I am getting a little passionate, passion fruity. I'm there you go. Fruity fun. There we go. Which they're going to need for this, the, your cocktail. You're going to need, right? need that information to make this drink that's coming up. Yes. All right. Awesome. Jesus. All right. So, Elaine, in part one, you shared um, what it meant to grow up as a Korean American home, a, one of seven girls. Um, now you intentionally successfully failed out of college. <laughs> <laughs> And how all this created a trailblazing badass rebel that you are today. Um, and so right now, I'd really love for us to dive into um, what your business does. What does Mocha Ventures do? So after the first restaurant opened, um, things went really well. And, um, and I started going out to the D.C. restaurant scene, all the events, because I wanted to learn as much as possible and keep, keep that process going. Also, in your first year of divorce, your first couple years of divorce, you know, you're single again. And so it's just like, I'm going to go out and act like I'm 20 again. <laughs> or 21 again, sorry. Of course. <laughs> and, so, and so I ended up meeting some other people in the industry that were investors. And this one company, a private equity firm, actually asked me to be a partner in their fund. And I was like, I don't even know what this means. Like, this, this is such a foreign concept to me. Um, I don't know what it means to be a partner. I don't understand private equity in restaurant in the restaurant world. I mean, I was so new to this world, um, and so so after I did my due diligence, I realized they already made investments into people that I didn't believe were actually going to be great investments for the long time, for the long uh -huh. term. Yeah. And so I turned it down, um, but that started another pathway, which is I had friends that told me, tech friends, like tech friends are bad friends, right? Because they were like, oh no, you can do whatever you want. Just start a company or start whatever. And so they said, Elaine, you can start your own fund. And I said, oh, I can start my own fund? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyone can start their own fund. And, and note to self, I mean, note to everybody, you can start anything you want, you just have to figure it out. Um, so I started the path down um, opening my own venture fund. Um, now, I don't have a finance background. I don't have a restaurant <laughs> background. I have a new restaurant background. And all of a sudden, um, this path I'm on um, starts taking shape. Uh, so I had a couple of partners in it um, to start with. Um, the only remaining advisor I have right now is Michael Sternberg, um, who took a job with Micheline Mendelssohn's oh, um, yeah. company as yep. the president of Sunnyside to nice. help them grow and build. A restaurant veteran. I need. I knew. I knew. I knew. I needed someone to be on my side that had restaurant experience, like a really like vast amount of restaurant experience, had failed, had succeeded, um, and I also knew I needed a white male um, that had a deep voice and yep. could back me up when I didn't necessarily have the support I needed. Yep. And so, um, so Michael was the perfect person. Yep. Um, and so he taught me a lot about the industry. Um, first and foremost, I had to learn how to read a pro forma and profit and loss statements, which I never did. And so it was something that, 
you know, where he would just look at it and immediately know I would get out a ruler and a pencil. <laughs> I'd print it out and I'd be like, okay, here's this number. That's how I was in my well class, remember? And I was yeah. like, oh, I mean, oh, I did, I made a lot of money. Yeah. And everyone's like, you, you don't know how to read this? I'm like, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's money in the bank. Yeah. And they're like, um, you really should know your numbers. I'm like, oh. Yeah, it, but it's it's not like it's not as intuitive, but you know it's there and you know if you're making money, if you know you're losing money. And I think it was more just like everyone kept saying, "Oh, what's the percentage of, you know, what's your percentage of food cost? What's your percentage of labor?" And you know, and then I'd be like, "Okay, I have to figure this out." But, you know, I yeah. you end up learning it, you know, and it's important. But um but in this process, um even though I wasn't sure if this was like the thing for me, I I had to keep trusting my gut. And so, um, and so little did I know, um, within six months I was able to raise money from four investors. Wow. And I would say they were like, not like, like friends of mine, they were like friends of friends or random stranger, one random stranger. And so, um, but that was a true belief in myself and a true belief in like, in what I was doing. So it wasn't about me. Like, None of the work I've done in the industry is about me. It's always about like who am I serving. And so by starting a fund, I knew that I could invest in people doing great things for the industry. And so That's great. And so I mean, it was like, it, but it was a realization because I think all my life, you know. I think my mom has always taught us like to be of service to others. Like that's one of her biggest things. You know, when you're in a family of, you know, nine people, I feel like I was always in service to someone in my family, right? I was Whether either, you like it or not. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're doing the dishes or whatever. Um, taking care of the babies. Yeah, taking care of the little ones. You know, you're always in service. But um, it was something that I've always raised, been raised with. And, and this has carried on in, you know, just when I'm thinking about the restaurant industry and what I was trying to do initially was I wanted to find great people, invest in them, and then make money. Of course. Because my first investment I was able to, I made all my money back in the first, I think, 18 months. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, and so that was, when I thought that was normal. <laughs> I know. Yes, but, but once again, also, Buttercream Bake Shop. I invested in Tiffany McIsaac, Buttercream yeah. Bake Shop. She also She's paid back within, I think, 15 to 18 months. Wow. You know, it's, and it's kind of like finding people that have this drive um, to, uh, you know, to whatever it takes to pay everyone back so you could then start making the money. Because, you know, usually the investment structure is you pay your investors back. And then, and then it flips, so you take the bulk of the profits and then the investors take less because they've been paid back. Yeah. And so... Um, it's called Class A, Class B. Yeah. Shares. Yeah, and like the flip and everything. Yeah. I mean, it was... But it was important to like, you know, and I still was... I still felt so new to it all. You know, I, you know... I'm going to... I, I want to I wanna take a break here. I think this woman deserves a cocktail, Gina. Why don't we do yes, that? Yes, let's have a let's cocktail. Let's do it. Let's do In it. The air cocktail. Let's do it. Oh, good. Thank God. I was like, I need a drink. Yeah. <laughs> so we are going to make my version of a, a, a whiskey sour, right? But the sours are going to be passion fruit. So um, in the first episode, if you want to go back and uh, give it a listen, we talk about using passion fruit in your drink and like what you should do and how you strain it, and then how you have this wonderful like puree um, juice left over and just like really delicious. And we also um, have brought in a little bit of dragon fruit. Now is it mostly for the color? Pretty much. 
I like it because it's a little bit sweet, but I just love the color. It's like the most beautiful magenta color you could possibly ever have. It's like hot and beautiful. So this drink is gonna have an egg white in it, and now Louise is gonna yeah, help I me. I thought you were gonna say it reminds you of me. I did. I was gonna just do something really off color, and then I decided to stop. <laughs> so today we're gonna use egg whites in our drink. That's okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. So you're in for a treat. These are my eggs. I mean, not your eggs, but your chicken's eggs. These are my chicken's <laughs> eggs. <laughs> your eggs. And they're beautiful. They're very pretty. And you have all different kinds. This is a leghorn. This one is, um, sorry, this is an Easter egger, and then this one is my Rhode Island red. I have like, um, it's like, I don't know, eight different kinds of chicken. So we're gonna use the egg white. No yolks, no yolks, folks, okay? No yolks in there, that's why you have an extra egg. And this is also another trick. So when you're making a cocktail with um, egg whites, I always tell everybody to put it in the top of your shaker tin so that you don't spoil the rest of your drink, right? That makes sense. Yeah, because usually you put the liquor in first, but you know, just because it's a podcast, we're gonna do this a little bit separate. There we go. That's one. See, nice and yep. clear. And see, the leg warmer's supposed to be in there. Oh my God, this was a chicken. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. There we go, that's two. There we go. Our rooster doesn't live with our hens, so. <laughs> He's not um, seeing much action. Otherwise, I would have a lot of babies. All right, sorry. I'm sorry, Neil's gonna kill my butt. Done. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna set aside our tops for a second here because that's not what we need right now. And we're gonna take four roses because I would never not do something delicious for Elaine. I love this whiskey. And we're gonna do two ounces in each um, cocktail. So two ounces of four roses. Elaine, I'm never on this side. I'm so excited. No, this is perfect. And then we're gonna do one ounce of passion fruit. So now in this cocktail, we're using the passion fruit. now. One thing is it's, it's extremely acidic, so I would not really, you can add lime, you can add another um, uh, juice to it, you do not need to, because we're gonna actually use the dragon fruit. If I wasn't using the dragon fruit, I'd probably put a little bit of lime juice in here. Gotcha. But since we're using the dragon fruit, this is what we're gonna do inside. So in there we're gonna take about, I don't know, about an ounce of cubed dragon fruit, and we're gonna throw that in, same thing. And try not to get it on your clothes, right? We'll rinse our spoon. And we're gently gonna take, whoops. Muddler, I know, this is a lot of process today. I don't normally do today. this. I know, I don't normally do this. Normally I'm like, wham, bam. All right, there's a little press there. <laughs> I wanted to use every tool I had. And finally, <laughs> we're gonna add a little bit of simple syrup. This is, um, this is a turmeric tea simple. Oh wow. So it's super delicious and fun. And we're not gonna add too much. It's a pretty color. Yeah, just about an ounce of um, simple syrup. If you want it sweeter, of course you can add more. You do not need to. Okay, so now we're gonna take our top and we're gonna put it on top of the cocktail. Tap it once with our hand and you're gonna dry shake this cocktail. And you're doing that because you wanna get froth on your, on on your, your egg. cocktail, on your, on your egg. Now, a trick is that you can take this off and put it in there if you wanted to, the top of your um, oh, yeah, you should that. shaker. Yeah. But it's more for like if you're using dairy or whipped cream or something. Yeah. So you kind of keep shaking until it gets really annoying, right? How do you know? Um, you know, until I, I see the pain in your face from doing it. <laughs> now, honestly. When I fall out. Honestly, um, when there's enough, you know when the drink is ready, when you can like tap it and then the drink pops up and then you know you have a froth. Let me see. Light tap. Like where that. do I hit it? This is where I'm always right doing here. it. Okay. Right. See, oh, it's perfect. perfect. So if it, if it pops up, that means there's enough, that means there's enough going on in there and it's ready to go. Okay. We're having a chicken dinner. Yes, yeah, so we're gonna <laughs> cut some ice. 
And then we will wet shake it. Smells good. All right, so now here comes the tricky part. Be careful because you're gonna put this in, right? So just ice. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right now, tap. And now you really have to hold it because it's going to want to like escape. Ready? This drink is only as good as your shake, and as long as you shake it. You get a smile if you're on camera. Yeah, that's this. This is, you know this is how you know you're a rookie bartender. Wait, who's the psychotic one from uh, the Trailblazers? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Meriwether or... Uh... <laughs> so when you can write your name on it. Mm. Come on. See, see this? No. That one's my drink. <laughs> uh, then it's cold enough and then it puts... Yeah. Oh, see, she's yeah. the pro. We gotta make sure it's taken. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not gonna work. Okay. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so now you have pretty, your beautiful, pretty, pretty. pretty color. This is the last part of the drink, which is really important, is you're gonna double strain this one. Right? So you can you can take yours. You're gonna have to wait a second though. Yeah, because we have double strain. Mm -hmm. String is worth it. You work it and it's worth it. It's so pretty. That's gorgeous. It's a tasty little beverage. This one is a pain. It's a little, you know what? This is like a labor, it's a little bit of labor of love. Yeah, I would so say. You're gonna be passionate about your craft, right? That's yeah. why we call it the passion. Look how pretty that is. But it's gorgeous. All right, go ahead. Okay. Oh, I love it. I'm gonna be like you someday, Gina. And you're double straining it because you don't wanna make sure that like that little bit of dragon fruit, the seeds and stuff, mm -hmm. you're not gonna put it back in this drink. It doesn't need anything else. I guess then, then you won't have those little seeds in your teeth, so that's a good thing. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's gross, right? Like, why do you want that? <laughs> All right, everybody, so oh, there it wow. is. There she is, the passionate. All right, so what do you think? It's great, I love it. It's so pretty. It's beautiful. So we serve this one up, right? So whiskey sour, let's just talk about whiskey sour for a minute. If you serve a whiskey sour on the rocks, you're gonna put a drop or two of soda water in it, like, because it needs it with, with the ice. If you're gonna serve a whiskey sour up, then you're gonna serve it, um, you know, generally no soda water. You could if you wanted to put a pop in there, but when you have like an up drink, sometimes the soda water will break the egg and then mm. if it's not on ice, if it's on ice, it's totally different story. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but I love a good sour drink. Like I love whiskey because it's kind of sweet. I love all of the things like, I don't know. I just, you know, dragon fruit's so beautiful. And then you have it the really gorgeous. sour of the, of the um, Passion fruit, it's just so yummy. Like, you almost don't want to drink it, it's so pretty. I know. It's, it's like, funny. Oh, I ruined it as soon as I tipped the glass. Um, <laughs> I, I sometimes I think that um, passion fruit is like the perfect sour. You know, people are always like, oh, passion fruit's sweet, right? And you're like, no, yeah, clearly you've never had it. It makes your face suck in, and it's put in the best way possible. That's interesting, I, that's kind of, I mean, that's, um, like I guess where your tip mate comes into play, because obviously you're introducing listeners in another way of looking at bringing flavor profile that they may not use normally. Oh yeah, I love that. I also love to cook with, with passion fruit, like with a puree of passion fruit, like to even like chicken or like oh. marinating it in there, especially oh, if you're gonna do like yeah. a barbecue or something like that, like using the purees, like you don't have to just like pork it's good with. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So where are they gonna go to get this recipe? Um, you're gonna go to designateddrinker.show for the recipe and how to. And then you can go back to um, Instagram yeah. at Designated Drinker and check out um, you know, all the different tips and tricks. Yep.
are all there, all the recipes. And yes. then, of course, you can always just go down, scroll down into your episode notes. Um, you'll be able to get to all those links back to the website. Of course, all of Gina's amazing recipes through the last six seasons. Oh my gosh. Crazy. Um, and then, yeah, and you can see her in yeah, action. You can book. learn. You and, and apparently, you're going to see me in this recipe making that I didn't do quite as well, but I got to like hang with you. That was kind of fun. He's a great. You know, he's got yeah. a like, you know, a little arm shaking. Yeah, no, I'm just got, kidding. Yeah, I got to get a little more muscle in there. I mean, not really. Well, I, mean, I was on vacation was, for two weeks. I, I sat on say, the beach. Like, the, the heaviest thing I picked up was my glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what kind of businesses do you invest in then? I know you said like ones that actually give back. Um, is it just? Is it just restaurants? No. Just restaurants? So restaurants and hospitality tech. What does that mean? Hospitality tech is like the tech that uh, like toast that helps like, yeah, that so helps toast. helps restaurants or or the our food and beverage food and beverage related. So one is GoTab, which is yep. a QR code um, and payment platform. Gotcha. Um, and so they're doing quite well. They just closed a Series A round, um, and so that's positive for growth. Uh, and then the other one is Wine Game, which is a Jose Andres and Rob Wilder project. So cool. what they did, and this is what got me hooked, because I'm not a wine person, right? I don't know how to identify wines. And so what got me hooked was that you play this game, the, the bottles are blind, so you don't know what they are, but the app actually has it programmed, and someone programs in the bottles that you're drinking. And you have to guess the, the grape, the region, the country and then the vintage or the label. Wow. And so just looking at the bottle. No, by tasting, tasting it. Tasting it. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, so you would taste it and you're like, oh I think that's Pinot Noir. Okay, great. And then you're like, okay, Pinot Noir. Okay, now you have to guess the region. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's Oregon and then the country would be USA yeah. or it's, you know, another France. France. Yeah, yeah, France and you know whatever wow. region. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I learned a lot from that. Uh, of course, I didn't remember because you're drinking all this wine. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, okay, great. I, I, I'm such a good student. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a really, really fun game. I would buy it. I would buy the kit from a, a, a wine store if someone said. Yeah, I would buy it. Yeah, sure. it's just it's like an easy. I don't like book club. I like wine club. Yeah. You know, I'm not a I'm not a reader. I'm a listener. So <laughs> I mean, that's fun to me. Maybe. Yeah, and so so and hopefully maybe like you know as things. Uh, the tech founder is great, Gary Mendel, um, and so um, he's keeping it, you know, he's keeping it together while, you know, the years go on. Um, but it's it's one of those things, like, you, you hope for the best, you hope that this will happen, this will all turn out the way you think it should, and the way you're sold, too. I mean, you know, everyone's pitching. You sure. Know, I, I have to base it on a pitch, and then I have to base it on testing product, you know, whether it's a tech product or it's a... You know, drink like if I was going to invest in Gina, I'd be like, okay, what can she do? Like, what's she like? You know, and so, and is Gina coachable, right? You know, and and Gina is all the above, right? So, it's but it's all those things that you have to take into consideration when you are looking at an investment, and so, um, and so it's tricky, right? Because there's a lot of points of failure in restaurants. Um, these hmm. days. And tech, too. Yeah. I mean, anyone who says to me, restaurants are so risky, I'm like, well, I was in the tech world, and that was pretty freaking risky, and, and we lost a lot of money, like, through the different investments that failed during, like, the different bubbles and bursts and whatever they're called. Yep. Um, and so it's... Um, it's 
you know, it's, it's, it's a calculated risk is what it is. You know, I have to base it on a team and people. Um, yeah. And so even with the tech stuff, I have to base it on a team. But, I mean, with tech, it's a long game. You have to keep putting money in until someone, either you have an exit, you have to have, like, some sort of exit scenario. So, and but with restaurants, it's a cash business. And so the hope is that, you know, as in a cash business, you're able to, you know, take money out of the business while it's while you're you know in operations um so it's a, just a different way to look at your investments it's hard mm-hmm. it is it's hard. really hard but yeah i could see like that that common thread in investing at your level not like the where you're really you're on the ground you know like you said I, what they I, I like the team i know them you absolutely know who you're you're investing i would imagine that there's a common thread at that level where you are it is about the people that are behind it yeah and the passion that they bring to the table and how well do they sell it obviously you've got a lot of street sense and financial sense and all the other you're obviously brilliant but i mean there's <laughs> i mean i could see how it it is where it becomes personal where you get to see the, i don't know how i would i don't invest i don't know how to do it but if I were, I'd want to know the people like that. I, yeah. I don't know that I would just want to be a blank check. But do you feel like, here's my question about investing, right? You have to be willing to lose what you give. Yeah. That's the crazy part to me, right? Yeah. Like, where you have to detach from whatever money or whatever and, like, here's what I'm giving. I believe in it. I think it's going to be a win. It's going to strike and... But you gotta let it go. Like, yeah, it's kind of like when you go to gamble, right? You go to yeah. you gamble with what you're willing to lose. Yeah. Well, I I've learned something about this thing called the sunk cost. Yeah. Oh. Which really <laughs> fucking blew my mind. When they're like, oh, sometimes you have to walk away from that, or like a ta- or a gambling table, you got to walk away, and it's your sunk cost, and you're not getting it back, and don't start emotionally getting involved with giving it more to get back what you put in. Yeah. And I was like. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do that. And they're like, stop being emotional about it. I'm like, okay, I'll stop being emotional about it. You know, like, yeah, it's a hard thing to do. I don't, I personally struggle with that. Like, it's like I am always like, no, we can, we can just make it work. Sometimes you can't make it work. I had to close the beer garden. I lost a whole bunch of money doing it, and this was in 2016, 15. I was, I was ahead of the game. Beer gardens weren't a thing. Yeah, I was ahead of the game. It was an extremely hot summer. I had everything going against me. And I put my money in, you know, and I was like, and like finally I like my account's like, how much money are you gonna throw at it before you realize it's not gonna work? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like all of my life savings. I don't really know, you know? <laughs> and they're like, we're done here. You're done. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I mean it's like this hard thing where you have to make those decisions, right? And especially like if you are stressed. You know, when you are emotionally stressed about a financial situation, you tend to make very bad decisions because you it's it's too much. You you can't look at it just black and white. You're, there's emotion in there. There's feelings in there. Yeah. There are people you're can't dealing be objective with. Anymore. Yeah, and so I think like the uh, the one thing I did learn. Um, well, so I lost a lot of money in my first ever like hospitality tech investment. I put sixty thousand dollars in, going okay. I knew I shouldn't have done it, but my friend basically was like, oh, will you invest in this project? And, and I remember sitting there and looking at him across the table, and, I was, and I, in my head I was like, I should just tell him no. I should just tell him no. And I said, 
okay, I'll do it. And then I was kicking myself from that moment on. The, uh, the company died within three months. Wow. So basically, was it? it was this uh, it kind okay? of, yeah, yeah, no, so it was, I mean, it was early days, but it was kind of this um, trying to use loyalty, using receipts, like take a photo of the receipt and then you upload it and then that kind of shows your loyalty. And then, and they were trying to build it like that, a loyalty program, but proven loyalty by the receipts you're using. And this is also, once again, this was in 2000, 10 or 11 so it was early days really? again and so um and so i mean like nowadays we're like would think like why would you do loyalty any other way than just pos da, 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 da. Yeah. well back then we didn't have that right um and so it was so early but it was just kind of like that taught me a lesson right a sixty thousand dollar lesson like make sure i go with my gut like don't don't dismiss it don't think it's gonna be when okay. that when you hear that voice oh yeah oh man and she's like, talking to you. Sucks. Ugh. Sucks so badly. You know, and then you and then you have to, and then, you know, and then of course like, you know, some founders have some shame, right? And some don't, right? And so you're going through this process of trying to then like, okay, now this has happened. Now I need to do this on my taxes and everything. I mean, like so it's so the transaction, I mean, I had a, a you know, a restaurant closed um, and it it was only a ten thousand dollar investment, but the pain and suffering to get my taxes for my investors. So I have to get taxes from the restaurant, then I have to do my K ones to my investors, right? So it's a process, right? It's not just like a, oh, you get your K one and then it's done. It, it was so much pain for three or four months just to get our taxes. We everyone had to file late, you know, and you know people don't, you know, people are understanding to a certain point, but. Not when you need to drop your estimated taxes and then think it before you're going to get them back because you're late on the. Oh my God, no. Yeah, no. So the owner wasn't yeah, the owner wasn't suck. communicating. The general manager mm -hmm. wasn't communicating. I went to the guy that brought me in. He's like, I don't know. Like they're not talking to me either. And it's just like, what the fuck is happening? Someone do your fucking job and do your job. I mean, that's your that's your responsibility. That's a legal responsibility. And that was like that was just so frustrating that. I get it, like you fucked up. And this was a lesson like I try to teach others, right? Yep. You fucked up, own it, and then do the right things. Um, you know, but a lot of, you know, I think this is the hard part, right? Is like you're embarrassed, right? Yeah, I've been embarrassed multiple times, right? But I know I have to do the right thing. <laughs> like it sucks, I have to, like, you know, like, uh, but I realize it's the only way to move forward in yeah. life. The only way. Um, Investors come with a whole different set of needs, uh, expectations. Um, you know, when times are great, everyone's happy. When times aren't good, it sucks. They you want know, the answers immediately. Yeah. Right. You know, and so um, you know, try to do things like I get it. Like you want to start something, you want to build something. Awesome, great. Figure out how to do it. You know, without finding investors, because it's not the only solution. I actually have a one pager of all the different funding. Um, we can do this in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are other ways to find money. Also, you know, if you can't find the money and people don't believe in your idea, then it might not be the best idea either. I mean, yeah. just because you believe in it doesn't mean it is the best idea. Like, so, like, wouldn't you say, too, that also, because I went down this road for a minute looking at angel investors, you also need to have the right investor. Like, if okay. one investor says no, it may be that, to your point, you, you're right, at the end of the day, you might not have something that's 
has any value. Um, but then also when you start, if you get a yes, make sure it's the right yes. Oh, Don't yeah. be desperate and yes. take it because you might end up with an investor that is your worst nightmare. Yep. What's the difference between an investor and an angel investor? I always, I always heard the two things. It's, it's, it the it's, it's the same. Okay. It's an insane. But an angel investor, same. like, you know, is kind of like your first line of d investors. Like if you have like a spectrum of investors, your angels are your the beginning. You know, angels are the ones that, you know, you know, believe in you and your product or your idea or your concept. And then, you know, and then it keeps going up. And then you have like, you know, group, like there are groups of investors. Where they're and, a little less, they're detached. Yeah, they're a little bit, yeah, exactly. Definitely more detached. And then, and then I, um, I try to be, I try to be a strategic investor and to help, you know, to help the founders, owners, you know, be a voice of, you know, a perspective, right? Because I have a perspective that may be totally different from you as the operator. That's where I, like, I try to add value in that way. Um, so that's what, like, Shark Tank's like, right? Like, that's a strategic investor. Yeah, yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's how they pick them, is the strategic investors. Because you don't want, you know, so the, the beware of the vanity investor. That's the, that's one of the hardest investors to work with because they're the ones that, own the place and they come in and you know and they want a table for 12 they want a discount they all want these things at the end of the day it's a business right so you're investing in something because you want to make money yeah this is why we because it's not charity it's not charity yeah. I'm not, and, I'm, and it's not like you know a philanthropy it's not yeah it's not it's not a club and so you don't so you, you have a buyout in there right so like you have an exit strategy or a buyout so most times restaurants are just in perpetuity and so like I get paid back, and then and then it flips to so the owner starts making more money. So if it's, it's so while you're paying me back, it's like seventy percent of profits goes to the investors, thirty percent goes to the owners. Once I'm paid back, and sometimes it's one x paid back or one point two five x paid back or one and a half x paid back, then it flips to the owner going, okay, now I get seventy percent of the profits, and the investors are getting thirty percent of profits in perpetuity forever yeah. until the restaurant closes. Now. Some say, oh my gosh, but what if the restaurant's doing badly? Well, that actually just kind of offsets any gains on my taxes. So there is like this long-term thing. So capital gains are real. And so if you have a good accountant, you'll have your losses and then you can bring forward your losses. So even if you had losses at a certain point, you can then still bring them forward in the future. It's very stressful what you do. <laughs> I know. It is, but it is stressful because it's hard to say no um, but I say no with love. <laughs> and sometimes I say no as like, no is a, a hard no too, because some concepts just don't fly. Yeah. Um, I did have a guy that once told me, like after he pitched me this whole thing, and I was just like, I, I was questioning him. And he goes, you're a dream crusher. And I was like, I'm not a dream crusher, I'm a realist. Like, and if you can't hear my feedback or my questions as, you know, something to think about or to even apply, then that's your problem, not mine. Well, then I saw him like a year and a half later, you know, I was just like, oh, hey, <laughs> like, hey. And he said to me, oh, you're right. It wasn't the right time for that. And I didn't do it. I think the whole thing is like, you can open something with your own money. You just have to be very like, you have to have a savings mindset. You have to have like, you know, like you just have to do something. I mean, I know a restaurateur that did pop-ups just to make some extra money so that he could put towards his future restaurant, right? right? If you want something, if you want something that badly, you'll figure it out. 
You yeah. figure it out. Do you ever invest with people that don't have any of their own money in it? I have not. Like, you know what I mean? Like, some people come yeah. to you and they, they don't put any money into it. And then, like, so there's no skin on their side. So, like, there has to be some skin in the game. And so, like, sweat equity, of course, everyone's like, well, it's sweat equity. Yes, it is sweat equity. I get it. Totally. I, this is where I differ with some people on it. I think there has to be something in there. Now, some people sign the personal guarantee with the banks or for the, uh, the, for the landlord for the, for the lease. Mm -hmm. That's skin in the game. Um, oh, man, it's anxiety essentially. Like, I'm telling you, it's crazy. I, I have ready? another drink. Wait a minute, I want to tell you this. What do you think? This Take is, this, another drink. This is the truth, right? Ready? I think that all the books that are out there, all the things that are out there, all these business books, this and that, everything, right? Like, nobody ever lays it out to you, like, you move, take this step, like, chess. Move your piece, this piece is going to check. You're going to get checked at some point. Yeah. When you get that check, you have the choice whether you're going to win or you're going to be knocked out, right? But there comes a very big point where that happens. But all of your due diligence to get there, to strategically plan your next move, is like how you get to that next point. And I and like I am a chess player. I go very, very slow. Like I'm always like, and everyone's like, oh, I have 74 concepts, right? Oh my God, you have 74 concepts. It's so great. <laughs> why why still live in an apartment? You know what yeah. I mean? Like if you have 74 concepts, you should be like making fucking bazillion dollars. Yeah. I don't do that, right? I just go one, one, one. And like I think that's the book. That's the guide. That's the thing that's missing. Like all these beautiful cookbooks, awesome. All these beautiful, I, I have a dream about this, great. Where is the manual? Where is, you know, let's bring a Scott Van back from the dead and make him fucking write the new manual of not only of how to cook, but how to run that restaurant so you don't live in a box by the side of the road. But do you think it's because there can't be? No. Because there it can be a due diligence book. Sure, sure. I guess I guess no rule book, I guess is my point, because in every market is different. Every day of that market could change. You know, I'm just wondering. There are things that you have to do in your due diligence when you're writing a business plan. Oh, people sure. do Absolutely. not do. Absolutely. Yeah. They yes. don't oh, yeah. do it. Yes. They don't do market research. They never sit in front of the place before they're gonna sign a lease. They don't you know what I mean? Like you go to these places with these all these brokers and they're like, Oh my god, look at this plan. It's gonna be so great. You're gonna make a bazillion dollars yeah. here. All right, really? And then you go back and you sit there for like three hours and nobody walks by. Yeah. yeah. It's Washington, D.C. Yeah. and nobody's walked by in three hours. Yeah. Well, the worst part is when I, I used to go on um, like site visits with different uh, concepts just to, I was just, I'm always learning. Like my biggest thing is to always be learning. And so I would go to different like site visits and then as soon as the, the, the entrepreneur would say, oh, this is my dream space. I was like, mm, nope, walk away. Like, we're not gonna even bother with this then because because they said this is my dream space, all of a sudden, you know, the landlord has the leverage now because then they're not gonna negotiate because they know you want it so badly. There is yeah. no such thing as a dream space unless the lease is perfect, you know? Yeah. Unless it's like the best lease in the world. That's a dream space. Unless your landlord, yeah, unless the landlord's gonna give you the space for free or yeah. build it all out. Or you own it. Yeah, yeah. or, or you, you own, own it, it. right? I mean, yeah. and that's another big thing. It's like ownership, right? I, almost impossible to own a restaurant in D.C. See, I think that's the new level of investment, right? I always say that basically real, the best thing to do put together is a real estate fund and people real estate and then do it. And then you can take any of you own the building. You can just take the money from the bank to yeah. put a restaurant in. Yeah. And like, I always think that that's the best thing is you have the collateral built in. I think yeah. one thing that my mentor taught me was go at your own pace 
And whatever your pace is, is your pace, and that's okay. Yeah. And just be true to what you're doing. Always true to what I you're doing. I think that's and true buy to the, life. And buy the real estate. Buy the <laughs> oh, real estate, yeah. She's always like, buy the real estate. If you can get the real estate, you buy the real estate. I'm like, I'll it, figure it out, it. yeah. I mean, but if you find the real estate, there's a way. So, Elaine, if you had just a little bit of advice, because <laughs> you have so much, so many wise words, so much, you're so insightful, so thoughtful. If you wanted to leave our listeners with one thing, Okay. So my it's the advice I give to my gave to my kids because when I became a mom, everyone was like, "Oh wow, you're going to have a hell of a time with your kids based on how you were as a kid." <laughs> and so I said to my kids, uh, when they're old enough to understand this, um, we have four rules in our family. Rule number one is be kind. Rule number two be grateful. Rule number three, be honest and accountable. Yeah. And number four, don't shame the family name. <laughs> <laughs> because if you stay within those four walls, you will be fine. <laughs> You'll be a good person. You'll be a great person. And yeah. also too, like, you know the rules. <laughs> I told you so. I, I told you. Uh, yeah. Uh, so far, so good. So far, so good. <laughs> That's all one can hope for. Exactly. I mean, I have teenage boys, so we'll, we're, we're still, we still need to get through this. Still in the woods. <laughs> still in the woods. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But so far, my daughter has proven that, um, yeah, she is, uh, she's taken all these lessons in life and has chosen her own path and uh, definitely um, going to do some great things. We could do this all night. We should, but we should close out the episode okay. and then go find right, something right, else right, somewhere right, else to do. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, well, I have one last question for you. Okay. You know, in this day and age, everyone identifies themselves with some sort of spirit animal, right? And you may be like, oh, my spirit animal is the red-breasted um, woodpecker because they're kind of from D.C., but they're also found in other parts of Europe or whatever, right? If you can identify yourself as one spirit ingredient, whether it's in food or drink, what would that ingredient be and why? Oh, um, okay. Immediate gut reaction yes. is whiskey. Perfect. Uh, but, um, but really my spirit ingredient would be salt. Ooh. Yeah, so, um, so already my kids told me that like the engraving of my tombstone would be needs a little salt. <laughs> 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 because when I'm tasting something and I'm always, when I talk and like cooking and uh, it's, that comes up. I'm like, oh, it needs a little salt. <laughs> and oh, so, my God, that's so funny. Yeah, so salt would be my, my, my true food spirit. We have to get you on Food Network. That's all the judges ever tell you when you're standing there. They're like, they're like Gina, it's really good. I mean, if I was going to tell you anything, I would say it probably needs more salt. I'm like, oh, it's a half a pound. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you got it. Think about the judges' palates, though, how yeah. abused they are. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. okay, half a pound, you got it. I'll put some more in there. <laughs> no problem. See you next time. <laughs> uh, right. What a pleasure. Absolutely. On that note, thank you for Cheers. all the lessons and so much time with us. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a Latino-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, we craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcast is Roger That!, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers.
Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Links League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, please don't forget to follow, download, and review the shows. Your reviews help our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.